0: fans at my request right on you and uh so praise the lord by the way i uh oh the building basket uh, the basket yeah i sure will <laughs> you better believe it <laughs> you better believe it by the way sunday i think we had 1500 come into that and so it's 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 growing it's god's with us One person put in a, a $14,000 check. Fourteen. And, and uh, so God is providing. God is providing. And he's going to take care of us. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry. Without Kathy, I don't think about that. Um, Sunday morning, we are—thank you. We don't need those lights. Believe me, we don't need those lights. Um, I want to just— uh, reiterate that I am going to be speaking on this Sunday on Isaac and Ishmael and the roots of modern-day terror. And I think there's probably never been a time where it's more apropos to minister that than right now. We're in the middle of a, of a very combustible world. It could explode into something um, worse at any time. We do live in a day of terrorists But Psalms 91 tells me I shall not be afraid of the terror by night. So I'm not afraid of it, but I think we need a Bible understanding of what is going on. And so I'm going to minister on Isaac and Ishmael because that's what it all goes back to. Isaac and Ishmael and Abraham. I'm going to talk to two people in heaven. I'm going to talk to Adam about eating that fruit. And I'm going to talk to Abraham about not waiting on God. Amen? All right. Well, we're going to get into Second Peter tonight. How many of you love the Word? Are, are y'all reading ahead with me? If you are, tell the truth and raise your hand. All right, that's a few. The rest of you, just tell the truth. I'm waiting for you to tell me what it's about. All right. Here we go. We got Second Peter, and I really, I don't, it, it just pulled off my Bible up there. It looks like a flame of fire, though. So that's pretty good. Now, I'm calling this tonight, Precious Promises. Second Peter is such a beautiful letter, such a beautiful little book, and it's powerful stuff. And you know, for me, it's all about Jesus. Uh, You know, and I I gotta tell you this too, I was at a, last night I was at a steering committee meeting for the reunion uh, arena, Thousand Guitars of Praise. And about halfway through this meeting, there were businessmen, there were um, uh, people way high up in, uh, in Promise Keepers. Uh, these were, there were some very heavy hitters in the room. I felt like in a minor league in there with the major league. And talking about getting Reunion Arena ready. We've got over 500 guitar players already. And it's going to be a $120,000 venture. But already, God is picking up the note. And about halfway through it, It just began to occur to me, this is really gonna happen. This is really, I mean, you know how you know something, then you know that you know that you know. And 15,000 seats, going for lost souls, the media will be there. I think it's gonna be televised. It looks like it may very well be televised. From Dallas, we're gonna do it in Houston and go reach souls in Houston. Tom Dooley is, is uh looking to um, get Madison Square Garden. And so what we're looking at, and and now I want to be real clear, this is my number one priority. What we're talking about, the hundred guitars of praise, happens about every six to eight weeks. And I'm not the head guy, that's Tom Dooley, so it's not my full time thing at all. But I'm the evangelist and I'm gonna stand up and preach the gospel to all these people July 29th July 29th we're gonna be in First Baptist Euless with 3,000 seats they're already showing our promo video to the church and here we're gonna have that's that's one of the flagship Baptist churches in the southwest First Baptist Euless they have got something like over a hundred Sunday schools and they've all been handing out material in the Sunday schools about, uh, and it's not going to be 100 guitars of praise, it's going to be 150 at First Baptist Euless, but we're just heading towards the big boy reunion arena. And, you know, I drove away thinking, wow, you know, sometimes God does things where you just say, wow, You, you know you couldn't have done it, you know if you'd have sat around for a year, you couldn't have thought of it, but all of a sudden you're thrust into something, And you're a part of something that is just the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. And we were talking about how we're going to give the invitation and how uh, the bottom floor is going to have a thousand guitar players in it and how uh, halfway through it, they're going to have to get up and move to make room for the harvest. And just going through the logistics of all this, I thought, we're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world our message to these churches that are involving themselves with us is don't, don't bill it as a praise fest. It's not a praise fest. The guitars are only bait, and I admit it. It's evangelism with strings attached. It, it is. And so, so we're, we're, we're just using the guitars as bait. But halfway through this deal at Reunion Arena, we're just going to stand up and preach the gospel to ten to 15,000 people. And we're believing for dope addicts to be saved, prostitutes, lost, atheists, agnostics. And so we're telling these pastors, don't tell your people it's just a Christian event. It's a lost event. We want Christians to bring lost people. And we're asking everyone who comes, bring somebody. You've got somebody you know who's lost. Say, wouldn't you love to come and be a part of breaking the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, I was there. I was there. I've got a T-shirt. I was there. And 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 um get them there because we're going to believe God for a big harvest of souls. It was exciting. I drove away. And you know what I said driving away? Wow. I got home and told Kathy. I said, "Kathy, this is really really happening." I mean, it's really happening. You know what she said? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. So I'm, I'm just kind of leading up here because I want to preach the gospel to this generation. We've lost the gospel. And I want to I get up there and, and, and preach the simple gospel of Christ to this world. And I think this is one of the ways we're going to do it. And you're going to do it with me. We're going to do this together. We're not going to sit here and soak and sour as a church. We're going to get out there and reach people. Amen? <sighs> All right. Stand up with me and let's read one quick verse, and we're going to look at precious promises out of Second Peter. I love this book. All right, verse two. Can you read it with me? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. How many of you would like some grace and peace multiplied towards you? We're going to learn how to do it tonight. Father, we thank you. For your word, quicken it to our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Now, Peter is describing the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in the life of the believer, the yielded believer, because there's believers that are not yielded, the yielded believer who is seeking God, abiding in the vine, staying in fellowship, staying in the Word, staying in prayer, the yielded believer all right? He says, this is some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The peace He speaks about is the tranquility of heart that the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit brings. You know, the peace of God is the greatest tranquilizer on earth. The peace of God is the greatest tranquilizer on earth. Amen? I mean, if you really abide in the vine and He gives you that peace, it's a tranquilizer. He's talking about the tranquility of heart that the, the abiding Holy Spirit in you and me brings. Now, notice when he says that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Now, when he says in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, he's telling us how to experience grace and peace being multiplied. Now, I love multiplied, not just added to you, multiplied. How many of you would rather have 2 times 5 instead of 2 plus 5? Sure. All right, grace and peace. I, rather than have it added to me, I'd rather have it multiplied. And you know, you notice when it talks about the blessings of God, it so often the Bible says that God's blessings are multiplied blessings. They're multiplied. So He says, "Here's how you do it. It comes by the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord." Now, the word knowledge there is epigenosis. Epigenosis. In Greek, you say the G. So I'm not messing up there. It's epigenosis. And it means full, precise knowledge, as opposed to gnosis, which is imperfect, impartial knowledge. Now, this is powerful because Peter is implying that the goal of the believer should be the full, complete appropriation of truth and total, complete submission to God's will. The Lord doesn't want us to kind of know Him. He wants us to fully know Him we got to get this because, you know, when Peter used these words, he was being moved on by the Holy Ghost. He was not making any mistakes. He could have said gnosis, and that would have meant partial. But he said, no, epigenosis, epi, epigenosis. Epigenosis implies an intimate and personal relationship with Christ, really knowing Him, not knowing about Him, knowing Him. Not just hearing about Him, but walking with Him. Not just saying you're a Christian, but walking the talk. Daily fellowshipping with Him. This is the only Christianity that these apostles knew, dear church. They didn't know a Sunday Christianity. They sought God every day. They abided in the vine every day. Even Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's when you will bring forth fruit. So there is an abiding, there is a place that you and I can come where somebody says, do you know the Lord? You know, I really, I I fully know the Lord. I do know the Lord. It's not partial. He's not off in the corner somewhere, okay? He says grace and peace are multiplied as we grow in knowledge in our relationship with Christ. Knowledge of Him produces grace and peace but not just head knowledge somebody would gain by studying the Gospels etc. but the knowledge that comes from intimate fellowship with him now I want grace multiplied to me and I want peace where it's like a tranquilizer in our day man you turn on that news for 50 min- 15 minutes somebody give me a tranquilizer bombs going off all over the world an explosive situa- a situation in the Middle East. Our own country, so many problems, so many troubles. Them saying that there's Hezbollah terrorists in our country and in different cities and just waiting for the go-ahead to do whatever they're going to do. And, hey, we need tranquilizers. But here he says, if you want peace, the peace of God multiplied to you, then you need to press in and come to know the Lord. Make the Lord your daily pursuit. I've noticed something. If I get up every day and I get into the Word and I pray and I stay in that Word and, and I, I say no to some things so that I, I'll give you an example. Monday night, I came here with Kathy for the ladies thing. I've noticed this about my own life. And, and uh, Steve and, and a couple of the guys asked me if I wanted to go to Charleston's with them and just kind of sit around and shoot the breeze and have some coffee while the women did their thing here. And I started to go, and I thought, no, because I've set my face, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I'm not trying to sound holier than thou. I have learned that if I will choose to seek Him, if I will choose to open my life up to His Word, if I will choose Him over other options, then I experience multiplied peace and multiplied fulfillment in my heart. So I said, you know, I'd love to go fellowship with you guys. That's about the next best thing to sit in here and listening to Beth. So I snuck in the back there. And when they greeted each other, I just said, hello. <laughs> but I wanted to just hear the word. And the minute that she started teaching, I was so glad that I'd stayed. And so the way that I left was this feeling of fulfillment and this feeling of multiplied peace. And I found that Every day, there's a hundred times where you have a choice. And remember when Jesus said to Mary, he said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but Mary had chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Well, we know that Martha was the busy sister, all caught up in the worries of this life. Mary sat at his feet and listened to his word. And Jesus called that the good part, which would not be taken away from her. So, in little things and bigger things all the time, you know, you get up on a Sunday morning, if you're not the pastor or the preacher like me, and you've got a choice about church, I have no choice. <laughs> but you have a choice about church, and boy, I mean, those pillows just, it's like they're just from heaven, and they're talking to you. Stay. Stay. The blankets, oh, they just feel so right. The birds are chirping outside. You know that if you go out there, it's going to be hot. And so this little voice says, go ahead, stay. Now, you say, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be hot. Yeah, I'm going to have to get dressed. I'm going to have to get in the shower, wash my hair. I'm going to have to get ready and go out there. And, and, but you know what? It's worth it to me to hear his word. And, and, and it's those people that experience multiplied peace. This is what he's talking about when he says, knowing him means you're always Choosing him. You're choosing him. That good part that's never taken away from you. These are the people that experience the multiplied peace and grace. I see others in the church hanging on by a string, and that string is frayed. Just barely getting by, barely making it. I mean, just crawling wherever they go. Under warfare all the time, harassed all the time. And I understand there are seasons like that. But for the most part, we ought to be experiencing multiplied peace. Amen? Amen? And this thing's blowing these deals. Let's see. There we go. All right. Now, notice where he says, Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's best translated, Our God, even Jesus the Lord. Our God, even Jesus the Lord. I want you to understand, church, and this is one of the things I can't wait to preach to whoever God lets me preach to. Jesus is the Christian's God. He's not just a good first century teacher with a charismatic personality who said some good things he was God, and so peter this is the second time in second peter alone that he has called him our god even jesus the lord jesus is the christian's god can you say that with me jesus is my god jesus is my god yeah we worship god when you worship jesus christ amen Now, verse 3, let's read it together, can we? As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, notice again, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but how do we get it? By the knowledge of Him, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ now notice that little phrase divine power it means that which overcomes resistance inherent power power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature power which a person exerts or puts forth God has given us overcoming power power that enables us to overcome against the strongest resistance You may be down, but you're not out. You may be going through the fire, but you're coming out on the other side. You may be in a valley, but you're not going to stay there. You're going through the valley of the shadow because He has placed in you His divine power, which is overcoming power. It's overcoming power. Now, notice it says He has given. As His divine power has given... That means to grant or to bestow. It's a stronger word than simply to give. One commentator says that has given carries a certain regal sense, describing an act of large handed generosity. It's speaking of a past completed act of presenting the gift with the present result that it is in the possession of the believer with no strings tied to it. It is the believer's permanent possession, having been given by pure grace. So you got this picture of God on his throne, regal, kingly, Jesus. And he has given to us, never to take it back, overcoming power. Never to take it back. So well, I messed up, so he's going to take his power back. No, he's going to give you more because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. No, He gave you, like a regal act of generosity through pure grace, He gave you overcoming power forever. He's not going to take it back. Amen. So whether or not you feel it, it's there. If you wake up in a bad mood tomorrow morning, it's still there. No matter what happens to you, His power is there. Amen. And it's activated by faith now pertain notice that he says all things that pertain to life and godliness pertain means with reference to so it would read like this his divine power has given to us all things with reference to life and godliness his divine power has given us whatever we need to get us into living a life of godliness godliness and life. Amen. So, doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what your life was like before you were saved. Like a regal king, he has given to you overcoming power so that you can attain to walking in a godly life, and it's never going to be taken from you. So, it's not like you need more faith. You've got the faith you need. It's not like you need more. God's already given you what you need to get from A to B. From your departure to your arrival, he's already given it to you. Now, godliness in the Greek is, is from a Greek word, eusebia. Now, notice that the beginning, the prefix "eu," eu means well, well. Sebomai, which is where sebia comes from, sebomai is to worship. So, godliness in verse three means to worship well or worship rightly directed in that interesting godliness means you have reached a place where you're worshiping what you ought to you're worshiping well you know the other day I was channel surfer and I ran across a rock concert and here was just this depraved rock group just depraved and, and, and yet, here's all these people, and you can't tell me this isn't worship. Here's all these people crowding the stage, looking up at them, doing this, doing this. And I guarantee you, God made us worshiping creatures. And if you don't worship well, if you don't worship the right thing, you're going to worship something. I guarantee you, it'll be it might be yourself, it might be another person, it might be money, it might be a drug. But you're going to worship, you are going to worship something. And I thought to myself, they are worshiping that rock group. You know what Jesus would say about it? He would say, you're worshiping, but you're not worshiping well. He's telling us here in 2 Peter that when you're worshiping our God, Jesus Christ, you're worshiping well. Your worship is rightly directed. It's the only thing worth worshiping. Now let's go on and look at it for a minute. Life, uh, yeah, here we go. Went too far. Worship actually comes from two words: worth and ship. So, worth, ship, when you're saying worship, that's that's what it came from. And the idea being that we should only worship or pay reverence to what has worth or is worthy. Peter says that to worship Christ is worship rightly directed, Jesus is worth our worship. That's why we sing, Thou art worthy to be praised and thou art worthy thou art worthy he's worth our worship and let me tell you something nothing else is not anything else on this earth is worth worship but him that's why when you come to him and I can remember when I when I started worshiping Jesus I've been in eastern religions and all kinds of junk looking for truth and when I found the Lord or he found me and he touched me with his spirit and I began to worship it was like coming home it just was it was just like coming home because I was worshiping the one who's worth it Worship, amen so look at what you're worshiping and those of you listening by radio look at what you're worshiping is it worth it is it doing anything for you because you can worship things that can't do a thing for you they don't even know you're worshiping them because they're dead worship the one who's worth it his name is jesus amen Amen. now he talks about life and godliness all things that pertain to life and godliness the word life here is not bios which would mean the necessities of life like food clothing shelter but it is zoe zoe that's the life that's the greek word he uses here he has given us the power to enables to live lives of life and godliness and the word is Zoe this speaks of life in the sense of one who possesses vitality liveliness aliveness now I really want you to catch this part church because this is really important most of that world out there is concerned about bios They're concerned about food, clothing, shelter, money, 401Ks, all of that. Nothing wrong with a 401K. Hope you've got one. But if you don't, God's going to take care of you anyway. But that's that's what the whole world is worried about and seeking after and giving their life's energy to obtain. And Jesus said, that's not life. Life is not bios. It's zoe. Now I want you to look at this. Zoe speaks of the life of God. Life as God has it. Zoe is the life man lost in the fall. That's what we lost. We didn't lose our body's life except that the body began to die. There was no death until the fall of man. But we lost Zoe. We were disconnected from the life of God. That's what sin does. Anytime you sin, you're disconnected from the life of God. Now, it is the life you do not have until you're born again. You have bios as an unsaved person. Your heart's beating, but you don't have zoe. Without zoe, the life of God, you are dead while you live, disconnected from true life, disconnected. It's like somebody who's unplugged you. The only way I got light right here is it's plugged in. That's the only way I've got light. Unplug it, it's dead. When you sin, it unplugs you. And there's no light in you until you repent and get it right. I want you to notice here, Jesus talked about being the one who came to give us Zoe all the time. Read these with me. Would you? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the Zoe. He said in John 5, 24, let's read it. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting Zoe, the life of God, the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Let's read 648. <laughs> this sounded like a title of a book or something. I am the bread of Zoe. Jesus didn't say I'm the bread of bios. If you read it in the original language he says I'm the bread of life, zoe, the life of God. If you partake of me you partake of the life of God. Let's read one more, 663. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are zoe. When you read this book right here this book is not like any other book in the world because Jesus said the words that I speak to you are energized by Zoe. This is not like a novel or People magazine or anything else. Jesus said the words that are in this book are life-giving because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So whatever came out of God's mouth has life. And so the I don't worship the Bible, but I love the Bible. The Bible didn't save me, but it told me about the Savior. And when I read the words of this Bible, it gives me life. It gives me life. Praise God. So in the morning when you get into it, before you go out to work or whatever, life yourself. Give yourself an injection of life and read the Word. Jesus, Can we read this little bullet here? Jesus came to give us the life of God. Now Peter goes on and says, talking about Jesus, who called us by glory and virtue. Now Peter who personally walked with Christ for the duration of his earthly ministry here confesses that one of the irresistible magnets that drew people to Christ was his own glory and his own virtue. Who called us? Peter said, "We felt called when he called us to follow him. Here's what drew us. It was his glory and his virtue." Wow. He called us by glory and virtue. I've often thought, well, when he said, follow me, Matthew, and follow me, John and James, I just thought the Holy Ghost kind of grabbed a hold of them and they just sort of, you know, left everything in and started. But no, they saw something. What did they see? Jesus walked, folks, remember, never sinned. God wrapped in flesh. There was something about Jesus and it wasn't his looks. Because Isaiah said there's nothing about his physical appearance that would make us desire him. He is not the blonde, hippie-looking guy on most church walls with hair parted down the middle and a beard and blue eyes. It wasn't that. When you looked at him and you listened to him, there was something compelling about his personality, his character, the virtue, his morality, his person that was like a magnet. And now, Peter, years later, is saying, Here's what did it when he called us. We felt compelled to follow because of his glory and his virtue. His own glory and his own virtue, it was his crystal clear moral character, his grace, his personality, his love. They beheld over and over again his miraculous knowledge and power at the time of their call. John testified. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, this is the message Bible, which I love to uh, use. Listen to this. The Word became flesh and blood and He moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. He's talking there about character attributes. He said, "When he called us, he called us. We saw the glory, and we saw the virtue, and we followed." Mm. Can you read the bullet with me? It was Christ's crystal clear moral character, his grace, his personality, his love that drew people to himself. Let's read the translation, can we? seeing that the all things to us his divine power has generously given the things which pertain to life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one who called us by means of his own glory and virtue. What made you follow Jesus? I can tell you before you answer me. You knew that he loved you. That's what got me. That's what hooked me. One taste of that divine love and you're a goner. You're a goner now let's go to verse four let's read it together by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust now that little phrase by which at the beginning of the verse points straight back to the glory and virtue of jesus christ it is by and through his utter dependability and faithfulness that we have received exceedingly great and precious promises and through his faithfulness they will be fulfilled see I know I'm going to heaven someday because I trust the character of Jesus it all comes down to Jesus that's why I say it all the time it all comes down to Jesus tell me what you believe about Jesus and I'll tell you a lot of things about your future it also likely points to his return because at his return all moral and spiritual effort are going to be vindicated and all promises are going to be ultimately fulfilled you know injustice happens all the time on this earth every once in a while the legal system will bring justice but a lot of times the legal system brings injustice and i would wager that most of us in here wonder why god hasn't vaporized at least one person you know And you go, how can can God just let that go by? And often if we're not careful, we'll look at the culture and we'll look at the news and we'll look at what's around us and we'll say, where's God? How could He let that go by? I say to Kathy all the time, she laughs at me now because I've said it so often. We'll watch something on the news and I'll say, if I was God, I'd wrap it all up. (laughs) So now, all i got to say is if I was God and she yells out, I'd wrap it all up. Because I don't understand how hey, he doesn't just wrap it all up. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all will come in the knowledge of the truth. So, the fact that he doesn't wrap wrap it all up is an, is a testament to the long suffering of God. But you know what, folks? When Jesus comes again, all justice is going to be taken care of. Christ promised forgiveness to the sinful, rest to the weary, comfort to the sad, hope to the dying, and life to the dead. This will be totally fulfilled at His return. And any place that justice hadn't been meted out here, it's going to be meted out when He comes back. And what a day that's going to be. You better be covered in the blood. I don't want justice. I want mercy when it comes to me. How about you? All right, now partakers, that we might be partakers of the divine nature. Through these promises, the saints have become partakers or sharers in the divine nature. Now, what is the divine nature? It's just talking about regeneration or the act of becoming born again. God's divine nature is implanted in the inner being of the believing sinner and becomes the source of our new life and our new actions. So when he says partaker of the divine nature, the minute you got saved, the divine nature was planted in your soul. That's why all of a sudden you wanted to read the Bible and you wanted to pray and you wanted to go hear the word and you wanted to worship God. And you didn't want to do what you used to do because you didn't want to grieve him. He gave you a divine nature. A divine nature by the influence and energy and giving the believer both the desire and the power to do god's will he escapes the corruption that is in the world now, I think this word escape is interesting as we come to the close let me re- let's l- really look at this this is powerful having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust peter said escape is from the greek word meaning to escape by flight the believer has run away from the corruption which is in the world Have you ever noticed that you have found yourself someplace where suddenly you realize uh oh sins going on here or I'm around people that don't honor God and if I stay around these people who don't honor God I'm not gonna honor God in my actions because tell me who you're running with and I'll know you and so you go I better get out of here and so you, you distance yourself that's what he's talk about when he says escape that that divine nature in you makes you escape by flight it's, uh-oh this is not for me see ya what's the matter I gotta get out of here why everything's fine it's cool you don't understand I've got in me the son of the living God and he is saying giddy up I'm getting out of here others may but you cannot So let's read the bullet can we Much of your future depends on what you are able to walk away from Now he uses lust in the widest sense of the in, of inordinate affection and cravings and let's stand together and read the translation Now next week I'm going to be getting into how we add character qualities to our house our spiritual house don't miss next week it really gets rich second peter chapter one i love it all right let's read it together can we by means of which glory and virtue there have been generously given to us the precious and exceedingly great promises in order that through these you might become partakers of the divine nature having escaped by flight the corruption which is in the world in the sphere of passionate cravings amen father we thank you tonight that you have put within us the divine nature of very God the same nature that was was Jesus Christ is in us and Lord because you through your glory and virtue gave us these promises. We know that they're good and they will be fulfilled in you. And so, Lord, we receive them. Help us, Lord, to add the different character qualities we're going to see next week to our spiritual house with all diligence. And help us, Lord, to take this gospel of Jesus Christ as very God to the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.